Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Welcome to the ninth episode of Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Our purpose is to empower members of our community with resources, support, and advocacy information. Today's episode is called Surviving the Teen Years with a Congenital Heart Defect. Thanks to advances in medical science, 90% of the babies born today with a congenital heart defect, or CHD, will live to adulthood. That means 90% of today's babies will someday be teenagers. For the first time ever, there are more adults alive with congenital heart defects than babies. What does this mean for our aging CHD population? What kinds of struggles, medical or otherwise, do our children with critical CHDs or CCHDs have to endure? Each of our guests today was born with a CCHD. About 25% of congenital heart defects are considered CCHDs. Children with CCHDs need surgery or other procedures within the first year of life. They are at risk for death or disability if their heart defect is not detected soon after birth. The heart defect classified as CCHD include one or more of the following. Coartation of the aorta, double outlet right ventricle, detransposition of the great arteries, Epstein's anomaly, hypoplastic left heart syndrome, interrupted aortic arch, pulmonary atresia with intact septum, single ventricle, total anomalous pulmonary venous connection, tetralogy of Fallot, tricuspid atresia, and truncus arteriosus. Some people with treated CCHD have few related health problems later in life. However, long-term effects of CCHD can include delayed development and reduced stamina during exercise. Today, we'll meet three adults with CCHDs who survived their teenage years and have even thrived. As a mother of a son with a CCHD, I wondered, what would his quality of life be like? Today, we have three young women who will share with us what their triumphs and challenges have been during their teenage years. Our guests today are Monica Mossy, Tara McFadden, and Jenny Busta. Monica Mossy was born on September 6, 1984, with truncus arteriosus type 2. She has had three open-heart surgeries and is currently 29 years old. Monica has dealt with feelings of fatigue and lethargy all her life. Throughout her life, she has needed oxygen, wheelchairs, and other assistive devices. Her dependence on this equipment has not deterred her from living a full and quality life. 
She graduated from high school with honors and earned an associate's degree in business with honors. At three years of age, Monica was fitted for bilateral hearing aids. She has a severe to profound hearing loss, but thanks to four years of speech therapy, her speech is easily understood. Now, cochlear implants allow Monica to hear better than her hearing aids ever did. Monica enjoys being in the presence of her close-knit family and friends. She loves all of God's precious animals, especially her cat, Levi. Monica is hopeful about the future and looks forward to using her college degree with part-time employment. We'll meet Tara McFadden and Jenny Busta later in our show. Thank you, Monica, for being on the show. Thank you. So were your teenage years difficult for you, Monica? What do you think was the most difficult experience you had during your teenage years? My teenage years was difficult for me, especially when I was in the 7th and 8th grade. I dealt with lots of bullying from my peers and was often singled out from class trips and special school events because I was not physically able to do them. There were times when I would get envious and jealous of my peers because they were able to have fun and I cannot. However, in my home life, my teenage years were not that difficult despite numerous health issues, setbacks, and obstacles. My parents treated me like my brother and sister and allowed me to experience experience things normal teenagers did, like spend the night at friends' houses or even have a friend over, even though it could be for a little bit. Well, that's good to hear. So really, even though you did experience some bullying, and that is what was probably the most difficult thing you experienced, you do feel that you had a fairly normal teenage growing up? Yes. Well, good. So you told me before the show that you didn't even realize that you were considered hearing impaired until you were in seventh or eighth grade, which is also when the bullying started. So that's when you would have just started to be a teenager. And you also told me that your hearing impairment was not as influential in your life as your heart defect was. So can you tell us why your heart defect was a bigger issue for you? It was a bigger issue for me because it was, it affected the way I lived and it was the most important and the most prominent thing in my life. And I had to adjust my daily schedule according to how I felt and whether or not I had an appointment. for me, my hearing loss was normal, whereas my heart condition I knew was not normal. Did you have a lot of doctor's appointments? Yes, I did. Uh, what kind of doctor's appointments were they? There were cardiology appointments, pediatric appointments, um, heart catheterization. I may have had to... Uh, here, uh, um, audiology appointment is always back and forth and in and out of the hospital. So it sounds like you had appointments more frequently than just once a year or even twice a year. Right. So I was happy to see that you were able to graduate from high school despite the appointments that you had and despite the bullying that you had to endure. So what advice would you give to other teens who are experiencing difficulty in school due to their heart defects? The most important thing is to persevere and push through it because in the long run, it is well worth it. And it's also important to have 
have lots of support, whether it's a guidance counselor at school, a friend, family. And for me, without the support of my family, friends, and my faith in God, I would not be where I am today. Absolutely. Very nicely said. You struggled hard to earn your college degree, but you did it. And I was so excited to hear how you persevered to attain your associate's degree. Can you tell us what it took for you to earn your degree and what advice you would give to other teens who want to go to college but are afraid that they lack the stamina to do so? It took a while for me to earn my degree because I was not physically able to go on campus. So I took online courses from home, and I was only able to take a course per semester, even though I did try to take two at once, but I just couldn't. So the advice that I would have is maybe at least wait a, a year, make sure you're ready, see where your house is at, and when you know you're ready, then go for it and just try it out. And if you can't do it, that's okay because there's other options. And like I said, you can do it online or part-time. I really like how you showed everybody that, yes, I only did one course at a time, but I did it. And that the perseverance really does matter to you. I think sometimes just doing one course at a time like that, you really get to savor each of your classes too. Yeah. Did you feel that it helped you to understand the material even better since you only had to focus on one subject at a time? Yes, it did, because it is hard for me to retain lots of information at once. So that's why I could really focus and enjoy it and just have fun with it. I know some people find online courses difficult. Where did you go to school with your online courses? I went to Community College of Vermont. Okay, very good. So did you ever meet with your teachers? No, I did not. I would talk to them via email. Very good. So it's good to know that there's that option because I know some people do the Phoenix online program or there are a number of online programs but you were able to do it through your local community college so that our listeners know that should be something that you check into oh and I didn't say in the intro that Monica earned a 3.9 grade point average with her associate's degree congratulations on having such a splendid transcript Monica thank you so now you told me uh, before we started our conversation here that you are currently unemployed, but you're looking for a job. So can you describe to me what your dream job would look like? I would love to work as an administrative assistant at a well-known business and, and work my way up the corporate ladder. But at this point in time, my house allows me to work from home. So I would like to work from home as a first-year administrative assistant. Okay, 
Excellent. So all of you listeners out there, if you have that kind of position, get in touch with Heart to Heart with Anna and we'll put you in touch with Monica Mossy. Monica, thank you so much for sharing your advice with our listeners and for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Well, it was my pleasure. Now it's time for a commercial break, but don't leave yet. Coming up, we have another adult with a congenital heart defect who will be sharing her story with us. Find out how she dealt with the typical temptations teenagers must deal with when they go off to college when we return to Heart to Heart with Anna. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Make the most of your beautiful life. Listen to Ageless Living with Dr. Tong Lee and co-host Kurt Wilhelm to gain tips on how to live healthier and happier, alleviate suffering, prevent disease, become more beautiful in body, mind, and fashion, and find peace, balance, and success in your life. Are you aware that every 3,500 calories that you eat above what you burn will put a pound of fat on your body? And running one mile only burns 200 calories? So portion size does matter, and migraines do have a cure. What is it? You'll have to tune in Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Today we are talking with adults with congenital heart defects, Monica Mossy, Tara McFadden, and Jenny Busta. We just finished talking with Monica Mossy about her experiences with growing up with a congenital heart defect, and now we will turn our attention to Tara McFadden. 
Tara McFadden was born on February 3, 1992, with hypoplastic left heart syndrome. She has had three open heart surgeries and spent a total of two years in the hospital when considering all three of her surgeries. Since her Fontan procedure, Tara has been able to do things just like heart-healthy children. She graduated from Ramapo High School in 2011 and is currently attending Ramapo College in New Jersey, where she is working toward a degree in social work. Tara has had physical limitations just about all of her life. She cannot play competitive sports, but she still swims and can do other activities like baking, watching historic films, and taking photographs. In fifth grade, Tara was diagnosed with a processing disorder. This makes reading long passages or doing complicated math problems especially difficult for her. Despite her difficulties, she has found ways to overcome her problems. An active advocate in the congenital heart defect or CHD community, Tara supports Little Hearts and the CHD Coalition. We'll meet Jenny Busta in our next segment. Thank you, Tara, for coming on Heart to Heart with Anna. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. Can you tell us what it was like for you going to school as a teenager? Like, did you attend a private school or a public school? Um, I attended a public school. It was no different than any other student. Probably gym class was the hardest because everybody was running around. But once I learned to accept that I, I can't do what others are able to do, I was fine. And my gym teachers were able to work with me. And then once I figured out that I have a processing problem, I actually went from getting C's to A's, and I was able to do a lot better in school, and I learned to be a a great self-advocate. So um, whenever I started the year off, I would go to my teachers and tell them that I was affiliated with the Office of Special Services and get the accommodations that I needed to do best. That's amazing. So you went from a student who was just barely hanging in there to an A student? Yeah, it was actually like, I remember in fourth grade, I was getting like C's and like really struggling through school. And then fifth grade, when they finally gave me the accommodations that I needed and I got tested, I was getting A's and I was like, wow. And my parents actually wanted me to get tested beforehand, but the school didn't think that I had a learning disability. And then when they finally convinced the school, the school finally decided to test me, my parents were like, see, we were right. And (laughs) the fact that I went from getting C's to A's with just like, with just getting like extra time on tests or like, or like getting the notes because I can't write them down fast enough. Mm-hmm. It was such a major difference, and it has helped me so much, and I'm able to do so much better in school than I would have been. And that's exactly what I was going to ask you next, was what kind of accommodations were you given, and who had to come up with those accommodations? Um, well, I think it could be, I mean, I, I I was young at the time when it first happened, and now, even in college, I meet with my counselor, and I say, what I think I need for each class. So I think it's based off of the testing they originally do and they decide what type of accommodations will be best for you. But I mean, today, like I took for a while on an, I I took a long time on an exam that wasn't supposed to take that long. And one of my counselors actually suggested a computer to be used. So 
I decided to do that and the computer took me so much longer. So I decided <laughs> I'm not doing the computer. I'm going to handwrite. And even though it takes me long to handwrite because my hand, hand will like cramp up, uh-huh. I, um, it, it, it's kind of like a learning process. I had to like, just be like, okay, I'd rather handwrite it than type it. Cause with all the typos I was making, typing the essay, it was taking forever and I was getting frustrated. So I think it's more of like a learning process of, of knowing what I need and what I don't need. Yeah. So it sounds like a little bit of trial and error until you see what works for you. Yeah. But then once you figure it out, it makes all the difference in the world. So you said something about getting extra time. Of course, that would be a teacher or maybe would a counselor supervise you if you needed extra time beyond what the class is doing for an assignment or a test? Well, when I was younger, I would get extra time. I would take the test in class and then just, if I needed extra time, I'd actually have a class called like, um, it was like a resource class. Mm-hmm. And they would just give us like time to do our homework or help on, it, it'd just be like a little help on any homework assignments you had, or I'd be able to to finish my tests in that class. But now that I'm in college, I actually fill out like a test proctoring form and I actually take my test in a, in like my own little room. Oh. Which is nice because there's nobody else to distract me. And I, you just fill out what accommodations you need. So I put, I need reduced distraction. I need extra time and I need my own testing room. And there's also like, you can get like a white, like a white sound machine. They are, there are accommodations for people who are visually or, or, or hearing impaired. So they have all these different accommodations that people are able to get. And it works out really nicely because my school just, they're really, their OSS department um, is really good. And I'm able to get every accommodation I'm able, I, I need. Okay. So for our listeners who don't know, what does OSS mean? Office of Special Services. Okay. So that's what, if somebody's listening and they're like, I need some of these services too, where do I go for this? They would go to the Office of Special Services and there they would be able to talk to somebody who could help them to get the same kind of help that you're getting. So what kind of social life did you have as a teenager? Did you go to friends' houses for sleepovers? Did you have them over to your house? What kind of life was it like? Socially, I was no different than all my friends. Um, I hung out with them and stuff. If I wanted to go to sleepovers, I would go. Um, I remember when I, like, the first sleepovers I really had were with my cousins. And then when sleepovers with friends really started to happen, I was actually nervous because, like, I have to make sure to take my medicines. So that was something I was kind of nervous about. But, I mean, most of my friends all know that I have a heart defect and they don't care. So they, like... Well, like, taking my medicine wasn't a big deal. And, I mean, if you're not okay with that, then you're obviously not that very good of a friend. Right. Um, Exactly. So I would just, um, I mean, it it was no different than anybody else. Um, I was able to do and hang out with my friends. And sleepovers, personally, I am not a fan of a sleepover because I... If I want to see the person the next day, I'll just I'll just see them in the morning. They don't have to sleep over my house. <laughs> um, 
but I was no different than anybody else. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. It seems that so many people today have piercings and tattoos. Do you have any? And if you do, did you talk to your cardiologist beforehand? The only things that I have or I have um, my ears pierced. And I haven't really thought about getting any other piercings or tattoos. I figure I have enough scars that I don't need a tattoo. <laughs> my scars are enough. And I, at one point I was thinking of getting a tattoo to symbolize like what I've been through in my heart defects. But then I was like, wait, no, I have a giant scar down my chest. <laughs> I don't need a tattoo to symbolize it. I already have a scar that symbolizes it. Um, so... I've never really discussed that with my cardiologist. I don't think he would. Um, I, I don't think he would like it though, because piercings cause infection and tattoos. It's it's just more problems that I wouldn't want to encounter. Right. That's what Alex's cardiologist had told him before was that the. Piercings and tattoos don't necessarily cause infections, but if they do, in a person who has a critical congenital heart defect like you and Alex do, it could cause problems with their heart that you don't want to encounter, just like you said. Yeah, I wouldn't want to risk it. Yeah, it, and it does seem like a bit of a risk. So drugs and alcohol seem to be very prevalent, not just on college campuses, but even on high school campuses. Were you ever tempted with alcohol or drugs? And if so, how did you handle that situation? Drugs and alcohol are present wherever you go. And I'm present with them almost every day of college. Um, And even in high school, I've just learned to not get involved. And actually, when you say that you have a heart defect... People are more interested in hearing what heart defects you have and more about that than pressuring you to drink. They kind of just are like, they're just, um, they're more interested in the heart defect. They don't even care about drinking. They're like, oh, wait, you can't drink? Wait, what's your heart defect? And they and then you're on to that topic. So you change the focus. Same with drugs. <laughs> yeah, I'm able to, I'm able to, to get out of the situation and change and change topics with the same phrase. It definitely works out. <laughs> well, that is good to know because I know as a heart parent, that's one of the things that you worry about. You all are already taking enough drugs. You don't need to introduce alcohol or other drugs on top of that because that could just be even more dangerous. Here we go again, talking about not wanting to encounter extra risks. So uh, tell me what advice you would give to other teens who have a critical congenital heart defect like you do that would help them to survive their teen years. Just live life as normal as possible. You may need to make some changes and adapt to to different situations um, in in different ways, but that's fine. And Mm -hmm. just surround yourself with people who you enjoy being around and accept you for for who you are. Don't let people pressure you. I love that. And that's that's true whether you have a heart defect or not, wouldn't you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not just a heart defect. It's anybody. I agree. Well, thank you so much, Tara, for sharing some stories and experiences with us and your advice. Now it's time for another commercial break. 
But don't go far. Stay tuned to find out how another adult with a congenital heart defect dealt with bullying while growing up. Find out how she not only coped, but found a way to overcome the anxiety she developed due to the bullying when we return with Heart to Heart with Emma. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Every day we face struggles and issues concerning addiction, whether it's ourselves, family members, friends, or other loved ones. On Overcoming Addiction, Hope with Prevention, Intervention, and Treatment, Dr. Joe Terhar helps us all better understand the causes and approaches to addressing addiction with the knowledge that no single approach is 100% effective. From guest experts, families, and addicts, you'll hear about what is and is not working in overcoming addiction. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at Heart to Heart with Anna.com. That's Anna at Heart to Heart with Anna.com. Now, Back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Today we are talking with adults with congenital heart defects, Monica Mossy, Tara McFadden, and Jenny Busta. We've heard from Monica Mossy about her experiences with growing up with a congenital heart defect and other handicapping conditions. And we talked with Tara McFadden about how she has survived her teenage years. And now we will meet Jenny Busta. Jenny Busta is a 28-year-old survivor. She was diagnosed before birth with hypoplastic left heart syndrome, or HLHS. In 1985, Jenny's medical professionals knew no other older survivors. It was a miracle that Jenny survived. She was the first HLHS baby from UCLA Medical Center to make it. Jenny underwent her first open-heart surgery her first day of life, and her second surgery, the Fontan, at 17 months of age. 
When she was three years old, she received a pacemaker. Since then, she has had several procedures, including pacemaker battery replacements and catheterizations. Growing up with a CHD was difficult since many of Jenny's peers didn't understand what made her heart different. She appeared healthy, but she was functioning with only half a heart, something nobody could see. She is currently happily married and living in California. She reaches out to CHD families all over the world to give them hope. She tells HLHS families that her faith and dependence on Christ is what keeps her going every day. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna Jenny. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to be talking to you. Let's start with something that I know is near and dear to your heart, but that wasn't part of your opening biography. Why don't you tell uh-huh. us about your uh, Camp Del Corazon experiences and let our know- let our listeners know who can attend Camp Del Corazon and what it what the purpose is. Sure. Um, Camp Del Corazon was started in 1995, and I was one of the first campers to ever go. Um, it's a camp for children with um, who've undergone open heart surgeries and, you know, people like, like us. Um, and, uh, it was a really big deal for me to be a part of this because, um, I got bullied a lot and I was put down a lot because of my heart condition. And it was the first place where I can, uh, where I felt like I actually belonged because there were people around me who knew what it was like to have open heart surgeries, who knew what it was like to lie in a hospital bed for days or weeks, you know, and, and so uh, we were just really there for each other. It was more than just a five-day camp on an island. It was, it, you know, we really grew um, tight, close-knit friendships that have lasted all these years, even now. So that's what it is. And um, my anybody with a child that has congenital heart disease from the age of 7 to 17 can go to Camp Del Corazon um, in California on Catalina Island. And what I love about this camp is that it's not just the kids out there. There are nurses out there. There are doctors out there. You have lots of support just in case you start to not feel well. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. And in fact, um, the people who started it were doctors and nurses. And so um, they have a whole team out there. They can run a literally a small um, emergency room if needed. They have a helicopter on standby or, you know, if kids, you know, get sick, they can go home on a boat, you know. So it's, you know, it's a very safe place to be. And I actually, my mom <laughs> loves it when I tell this that um, she was a little scared when she first let me go um, because it was my first time away from home ever. And I said, Mom, I'm actually going to be safer there than I will be at home because of all the doctors and nurses there. And she said, you know what? You're right. <laughs> so. <laughs> and I love the picture. She actually wrote about your camp experience for my book, The Heart of a Mother. And I love how she captured you turning and waving goodbye. And I could tell just in that photograph, you look so excited about going off to camp. <laughs> yeah, that's that right. <laughs> Well, and, and you might as well tell our listeners, not only were you a camper, but you've also been a counselor. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, um, I got involved as a counselor um, once I reached 18, um, and I've been a counselor almost every year since just because um, I get to, you know, help out the kids now that are going, and, um, you know, I get to 
tell them, you know, I have a scar and they could, you know, they could see it when I wear shirts that show, you know, show it off. And, um, and they, you know, for me as a camper, you know, going, uh, remembering as a camper and seeing the counselors with scars was a huge deal for me back then. So, um, I really like the fact that I get to do that for the kids now. And it means, it really means a lot to me that I get to do that. <laughs> Well, it seems like it gives you a group you can identify with, and you didn't really have that when you were in school. Isn't that true? Right. It was It was really the first time that, you know, I, I always thought, you know, I don't know how long am I going to live. Am I going to live to 20, you know, 30? You know, I, I don't know. And so it was the first time that I saw adults living with it, and that just, I mean, it was life-changing for me because I was like, hey, she has a scar, she's happily married, or she's going to school. Like, it was so encouraging to me, and I, I, there are no words to describe, you know, what, what that meant to me. And I know so. that that's what you have been doing with other families. When you go visit families and when you talk to families on the Internet, you're providing that picture of hope for all of us now. I want to thank you for doing that, Jenny, because I know I have looked to you many, many times to see what I can maybe expect with Alex, even though boys and girls are really different, but just knowing knowing that you had made it that far and you've always had such a positive attitude. That's one of the things I love about you. So I do remember when you were a little girl, you and I have known each other for a long time. (laughs) It's amazing when I was thinking about exactly how long have I known Jenny? I've known you since you were a young girl and we used to instant message with each other (laughs) at night. Do you remember that? That's right. (laughs) All those years ago. (laughs) Long time ago. But I remember back then when you would instant message with me that sometimes you were really upset because kids were not being kind to you at school. Can you tell us a little bit about your bullying experience and why your mom decided to homeschool you? Of course. Yeah. Um, Well, let's see. I just... They just couldn't see it. I mean, I you look at anybody like me, and we look normal. And so the fact that we're really sick on the inside and people can't see that, it's like they, they couldn't understand it and they couldn't grasp it. And maybe, you know, things were rocky at home or they felt insignificant. So they felt like, you know, they had to bring me down for some reason. And, um, you know, it's just... It's a hard thing to go through, but I'm really grateful that I got to, um, that God gave me that opportunity because now I get to be there for young kids, you know, um, who are going through bullying. And I could actually say, hey, I've been there. And it really stinks, but, you know, it, it gets better, you know. And um, some of the things like, you know, uh, they would call me half-hearted or... You know, just you can't be my friend because I can't run it as fast or I can't run as fast as you or or something like that. And um, when I would try and run around the um, the, the schoolyard um, during PE, they would literally come up behind me, shove me to the ground and point and laugh and run off. And I mean, just really, just really, really cruel things that I personally, I wouldn't wish upon anybody, but at the same time, I'm like I said, I'm grateful for it. 
How did you overcome your fears, though? That must have been terrifying to have somebody come up from behind so you're not necessarily looking at them and you're certainly not expecting them to attack you and push you down. How did you learn to overcome the fear of people being behind you and possibly wanting to harm you? I've actually, to be 120% honest, um, I have not gotten past that um, in public places like airports or um, amusement parks or like any, any place where a big crowd of people, I cannot... I get anxiety when people are walking behind me, even though, like, I know they're not going to shove me to the ground and, you know, run and laugh off, you know, like, um, so, but it's definitely, um, it's something I, I still deal with, you know, from time to time, but, um, what has really carried me through is, um, um, my dependence on Christ. Like I, um, have said, you know, a lot, and um, my faith in that, and um, knowing that, you know, in, in Psalm 139, he says, um, I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. So I know that God has made me exactly who I am, how I was supposed to be. He makes no mistakes. And I I really carried that through growing up. Like, there's a reason for everything. You know, I may not understand it, but he knows. And that was good enough for me, Anna. It really was. It, it didn't, it didn't, you know, it was hard at times, but it was enough. So. Well, and then somebody very special came into your life and his name yeah. was Nick. Can you tell us how you met Nick and eventually ended up marrying this special young man? Yes. Um, Nick is the love of my life. Um, He's, you know, my rock, and um, we met when we were 14 years old, <laughs> and I think you remember this very well, <laughs> Anna. Um, uh, we were, it was online, and uh, both sides of our parents said, don't go in the chat room. We did anyway, <laughs> and um, I can't say that I'm sorry, but um, because of where we are now, we are happily married um, for six years and counting, and um, I love him to pieces. I mean, he's everything to me. <laughs> so. He is, and I've had a chance to meet him, and he is the sweetest, sweetest man ever. And I think Thank he's you. lucky to have you, and I think you're lucky to have him too. Thank you. I feel I feel really blessed. Like. Wow, he's he's my husband, you know, and he's he's just amazing. <laughs> I can go on and on, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show, Jenny. I love talking to you, and I think what you shared with our listeners is really important. How even though you were bullied, you you looked to Christ. You looked to something beyond yourself for strength. And right. it probably has made you a stronger person, don't you think? It it really has. And I, that's why I'm grateful for the experiences and, oh, you know, what life has brought me, the good and the bad times. And it really came down to a choice. Do I want to, you know, spend my life feeling sorry for myself or do I want to give back or, you know, take the blessings and, you know, the challenges that God has given me and use it for good and use it for his glory. And that's what I'm all, all about. 
So definitely that's, that's <laughs> a beautiful message. And I wish more people would feel the same way that you do, Jenny. Well, thank, thank you for being on this show, Jenny. It's time for another commercial break, but don't leave. Uh-huh. It's uh, it's almost time for our miracle moment. And today's miracle moment is written by Rita Scoggins. She shares a story about her teenage daughter's experience with going on a band trip. When is a regular band trip anything but regular? When you have a daughter with a con- critical congenital heart defect going on that trip, that's when. Find out how this trip for a high school band from South Texas going to Colorado to ski turned out when we return. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect or CHD community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at Heart to Heart with Anna.com. That's Anna at Heart to Heart with Anna.com. Now, Back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Our purpose is to empower members of our community with resources, support, and advocacy information. I want to take another moment to thank my guests today, Monica Mossy, Tara McFadden, and Jenny Busta, all three of these young ladies just like the young lady whose story I'll share with you in a moment, were born with critical congenital heart defects. All of these young ladies were born with an invisible birth defect. For the most part, CCHDs cannot be seen. 
The only time anyone sees anything amiss is when our heart warriors dare to go bare-chested or expose a significant portion of their torso so that people can see their scars. Monica has an, an added invisible defect with her hearing impairment. These invisible defects can cause confusion because our heart warriors appear so normal, but we know that extra precautions often need to be made. Such was the case with Rita Scoggins regarding her daughter, Victoria. Victoria was born with CCHDs too. She was born with tricuspid atresia, an atrial septal defect, a ventricular septal defect, a coartation of the aorta, and in addition to the typical three-surgery repair for single ventricle hearts like Victoria's, she also had to have eight stents put into her heart. Is it any wonder her mother might be a bit concerned about taking her daughter from South Texas all the way up into the mountains of Colorado to go skiing? Our miracle moment called Victoria's Ski Trip is on page 282 of The Heart of a Mother, and it details one mother's harrowing experience with taking her single ventricle post-Fontan daughter into a very high altitude to participate in a band competition. Rita writes, In general, the trip was good, and Victoria did fairly well. After 30 and a half hours on the bus, we finally arrived in Breckenridge. Since we were late, we had to go directly to the high school to perform. The band did fantastic and brought home several trophies. Victoria was doing fine and even managed to play her clarinet for one of the songs. By the time we got to the hotel, it was after midnight. It was almost 2 a.m. when we finally got into our rooms. At this point, Victoria was not feeling well, and I gave her oxygen. She slept well and planned to get up at 7 a.m. to be fitted for skis. Well, we got up a little bit later than, than that, but we did go down to be fitted. I waited in the line as she sat on the sidelines. She was bound and determined to ski and was saving her energy by not standing in line with me. After I had been in line for about an hour and was almost at the end, she came up. And I asked her if she thought she would want, if, if I asked her if she could walk in those ski boots. She looked at me and said, I don't want to do this. Boy, was I glad. By this time, she was feeling very bad, and I gave her oxygen again. We went on to lunch, but she would not eat. Later that afternoon, we were walking around the town, oxygen tank in tow, and used as needed. It is a beautiful town. Later in the afternoon, I let Victoria go into town with her friends. I was feeling sorry for her because she had been spending most of her time with me. She did fine in town and did have to use the oxygen a few times. I met them at Pizza Hut, and by then, she was not feeling well, could not eat, and threw up. Yuck. The worst part, though, was that she was almost out of oxygen. We went back to the resort, and I tried to find a place to refill her tank. What a pain. No one could refill it. Meanwhile, one of the boys was getting really sick. He had not been out of bed all day. And so we decided to take him, Victoria, and a girl who had bronchitis to the emergency room in the next town. Victoria was seen so that they could prescribe oxygen for her. She was feeling fine while we were there. As a matter of fact, her oxygen saturation levels were 99. I was surprised at that. The doctor there sent us home with oxygen for the night and the next morning and prescribed the same for the girl with bronchitis. The boy was admitted to the hospital overnight with high-altitude sickness. He had the worst form and had fluid in his lungs. 
We were at the ER from about 7 p.m. until 1 a.m. While we were there, it started to snow. It was so pretty. We were all impressed. Victoria woke up the next morning with her appetite much improved, and I think it was because she was on the oxygen all night. We left Breckenridge at noon after picking up the boy that was in the hospital, and 29 and a half hours later, we were back home in Harlingen, Texas. It was such a long trip, a total of 60 hours on the bus and only 36 hours in Breckenridge. I asked Victoria what she had learned from the trip, and she said, I can't live there. She also said that even knowing what she did, not being able to ski and feeling bad and having to spend time with me, that she would not have wanted to miss the trip because she had fun and enjoyed and really enjoyed the town. I'm glad that she was able to make this trip and that things went as well as they did. I am so glad that this trip is behind us. I was really dreading it. The bus ride was the worst. Too many hours. The kids were all great. I couldn't believe how well behaved they all were. They each deserve a medal. I'm glad that Victoria was able to make the trip. I think it did her good to see that she was not the only one affected by the altitude. She did not get to ski, but I do not think she was crushed by that. Disappointed, but not crushed. That concludes Rita's essay, and some people who are not veteran members of our heart community may not understand why I chose that essay as a miracle moment. It's a miracle moment to me because as the mother of a son with a single ventricle heart, I wondered if Alex would be able to have the same experiences as his peers. I'm sure Rita wondered the same thing. Would our children's heart defects prevent them from experiencing the same events their friends did? Would their heart defects prevent them from performing in a band, going on a class trip, or living a life with challenges that wouldn't defeat them? Rita wrote about her daughter's trip, and while it wasn't a perfect trip, it wasn't perfect for two heart-healthy teens either. The experience disappointed Victoria, but it didn't crush her. I think she might have felt worse if her mother had prevented her from going on a trip at all. As parents of children with critical congenital heart defects, we are challenged to allow our children to experience some life events that may not have perfect outcomes, but that allow them to belong with their heart-healthy peers and allow them to experience age-appropriate adventures so that they can live a quality life. Raising our children to live their lives in a protective bubble is contrary to what any parent wants. But in the heart world, the fear is that we must do that to protect them. Rita's story shows us that given the right precautions, such as bringing portable oxygen and a responsible parent for the trip, our children can share common experiences with their peers and survive. That concludes this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. I hope you'll come back next week when our show will be called Sports and Extracurricular Activities for CHD Survivors. Until then, please find and like us on Facebook, Check out our website, Heart to Heart with Anna, and our new Cafe Press Boutique. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.